Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. How you doing this morning, Jake? I am full of life yeah. this morning. All we need is uh, some people talking a little football and all of a sudden Jake's mood quickly improves. And home run derby. I was fired up about it last night, man. It was a great event. I was entertained from beginning to, to the end. Um, and Bryce Harper put on a show. I can't wait to talk about it. So is that the headline you want to start with, or do you want to start with the headline, and all of a sudden ESPN has uh, LSU back at the forefront, and the top headline this morning is Ed Orgeron and Matt Canada. I mean, we sure, we can start with that, but to me it's not breaking news. Like, this is just the first time he's kind of openly admitted that he made a mistake in hiring mm-hmm. Matt Canada. But if you could just – if you listen to everything he said, you could read between the lines. You could understand that he regretted it. And we did that every week last year. Remember, we, we would l- listen to his press conference go, okay, surely they're not getting along. Uh, there are certain things that he's saying here. There's a, there's something where he says right here where he says, hey, uh, I don't care what Canada thinks. I'm the head coach, yada, yada, yada. So we understood that that relationship was sour. And, of course, we understood that's why – he selected Ensminger as the new offensive coordinator because he was comfortable with Ensminger. We have plenty of sound from uh, Coach O coming up later in this show, but a couple of the quotes that stood out. Circumstances were different when I got the job when he's talking about, of course, bringing in Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. Orgeron said, I went out and tried to get the best coordinator. It didn't work. And all the while I was saying, you know what? Steve Ensminger is the guy. And if I have a chance, I'm going to hire him. I have complete confidence in the direction that he's going to lead this offense. He and I are on the same page. So basically, same page. It's the same old, the same other old. page, they were not. Him and Matt Canada. Yeah, it's the same old, same old, man. I mean, October second, though, on this ESPN article, they point out Ed Orgeron said, "This is Matt's offense. He runs it. He calls it. He scripts <laughs> the plays. This is his offense." And then, of course, by uh, January, he's out and uh, getting a what a payout of about one point seven million that he was owed. The most interesting thing that came out of all these interviews is, is actually a clip that we'll play later on in the show where someone asked him how much influence will he have over the offense, how much influence did he have over Matt Canada's offense. Clearly, he handcuffed Canada a bit. Clearly, he didn't allow Canada to do everything that Canada wanted to do, and you actually saw that's why uh, they had to go to the principal's office and kind of have a sit-down meeting <laughs> You remember all that? Yeah, and Oliva's the principal. Oliva's the principal. They had to sit down with Oliva, and Oliva said, hey, let him run his offense. You run everything else. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Orgeron, of course, goes on to say he runs more of the offense than I'm used to, an offense that 
we won a championship with in the past, talking about the fact that they're going to go more open with a a spread offense, sometimes using three wide receivers, sometimes as many as five, which would be quite a difference from what LSU has traditionally run. Yeah, but look, none of this is new. That's all I'm saying. This was kind of new in terms of the quarterback battle. Uh, Orgeron did say he wants a clear-cut decision before the opener against Miami. I'm well, sure they all I, I, I will say this: uh, of all the things he said, and you gotta decode it. To me, it sounded like Burrow's the guy. As long as Burrow is the guy that we anticipate him to be in fall camp, he's the starter. But if by some chance he's not, then we'll go into the Miami game with two different guys. That's what I took away from it, because clearly, you know, everything you hear about Burrow, everything that's been said about Burrow. The way he was talking about him, he's saying, listen, if he's as good as, as we've heard, as good as we've seen on tape, he's the guy. We have Orgeron on tape. We'll share some of that with you later in the show. Also, former Neville product, Rashard Lawrence at the mic. Yeah. By the way, Rashard got makeup put on him yeah. yesterday. Uh-huh. But you, I'm talking to a guy who gets makeup put on him every day, <laughs> so I guess who am I talking to about that, right? Well... That bothers you. Yeah. Come on, Richard. You don't need that makeup. Those lights are bright. Oh, God. Whatever. Um, that did surprise me a little bit, though. It did, right? Yeah. I don't Richard was a good sport about it. Yeah. But uh, Jacob Hester and Devin White were making fun of him. Called him out on uh-huh. it. And, of course, uh, Richard tried to deny it. <laughs> There's no denying. Then they had video proof of it. <laughs> they got you red-handed, big guy. Yeah. You can't hide. Uh, I'd yeah. be like putting uh, makeup on John Tabor. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. Don't ever see that happen. SEC Media Days, uh, what else did you enjoy from oh, man. day number there, one? There were a lot of takeaways. Uh, first, uh, Sankey's press conference felt like a shareholder meeting. It's <laughs> like, hey, let me talk about how great we are. It was a little sterile. I'm like, us. okay, yeah. all right, yeah. let's, let's move on. Uh, so then we moved on to Jimbo Fisher. The one conversation that I found interesting, the fact that they moved the SEC Media Day to Atlanta and how he kind of had to tiptoe around that situation. Yeah, it was it was very strange. Um, he, he gave a very slim version as to why they did that. I, I know a lot of you enjoyed the fact you didn't have to get connecting flights. You could just fly into Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Well, I I tried to tune him out as much as, much as I could. Yeah. Then Jimbo gets up there, and my God, he speaks faster than light travels. Yeah. But I think I would rather watch light travel. But you wanted him as your head coach, though. Who did? You. No. Never wanted Jimbo Fisher. No. Yeah. Where did where did this? Where, don't don't loop me into that. That's a whole. We don't have time to get yeah. into that. What I do have time to say is, <clears throat> even though. He talked so quickly, and kind of most of it was just football talk. I did like what he said about hiring Mike Elko because somebody asked him, you know, why did you go after Elko? And he said, well, as a coach, you want to grab those guys that give you the most fits. At Wake Forest, Elko gave us a lot of fits. I thought that was cool, him kind of giving that insight. That's about the only thing I took away from from him. How about when he was asked about uh, LSU and, of course, flirting with the Tigers? His quote was, I've always had a great affiliation with that place and great love for that place. Uh, unfortunately, just did not work out at the time. I didn't want to go get into any details. They've got a great coach, and I'm in a great situation, and we'll move on. 
What else is he supposed to say? <laughs> exactly. Why would I even mention that? You should have just said they've got a good coach instead of great coach. <laughs> <laughs> Brother. Uh, another thing that I found interesting is a couple of, uh, or I guess one media member was asking a couple of coaches about giving availability reports, something I really didn't think about just because of the betting. Betting's going to be legal soon. So now they have to give out, you know, injury reports like the NFL does. That's got to be a big headache. You think Nick Saban's going to yeah, like that? Yeah, I can really see that working out well in Alabama. A um, couple other things. So Travion Williams running back for Texas A&M. Did you see him at SEC Media Days? He shaved everything but one long strand of hair. Mm. So he has like one long strand of hair in front of him, and uh, one of the SEC guys asked him about it, and he talked about Samson in the Bible with the hair. I just thought that was really weird. I thought it was worth mentioning. Another running back, Benny Snell from, for Kentucky, uh, referred to himself in third person. Mm. thought that was interesting. Uh, like I said, Richard wore makeup. Mm. <laughs> uh, Orgeron, you, you already mentioned the big takeaway with Canada, but uh, I thought it was interesting that he mentioned Chris Curry and not Tay Povins as far as uh, running backs go. So it tells me that, hey, Chris Curry might have an opportunity to see more playing time than a lot of us anticipate. Uh, he talked about them being too deep, and there were a lot of Florida questions, lots of Florida questions. As I would say as many, if not more, Florida questions than Alabama questions. Mm. So I thought that was interesting, and uh, those were those were really my takeaways from SMU today. Day two rolls along. Uh, three heavyweights today, correct? It's a uh, pretty attractive lineup of coaches at SEC Media Day. A couple of heavyweights. Uh, Dan Mullen, Kirby mm -hmm. Smart. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Chad Morris. Mm, heavyweights. So the newcomers get their opportunity to shine. Yeah. Relative quote, quote newcomers. Quote, unquote, newcomers. Yeah. You well, were a little surprised to put Kirby, of course, on day two. I figured he would be day four. Yeah. You know, just it's in, it's in Atlanta. You expect him to be the rock star. I guess Saban, no matter where it is, Saban's always going to be the rock star. But you would think Kirby's going to be pretty dang popular in Atlanta. 888 993 if you watched a little of the SEC Media Days, if you were glued to your televisions, what were your biggest takeaways? You can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. See how the power of choice can help you on home and auto insurance. All right. Lots of headlines to get to. Can I get to the Derby real quick? Sure. Dude, I was all in. I was all in. I thought it was fantastic. The presentation was great. Um and it was just drama because – Did Chris Berman make a cameo? Was no. he, he wasn't in the house? No. Okay. But Bregman, uh, I thought that's when the the drama really picked up. When Bregman was going against Schwarber, he was down – Schwarber hit 16 home runs, so Bregman had to hit 16 to move on, 16 or more. And he, you, you see Bregman, the, the smallest guy out there. You could see all the other All-Stars were rooting for him because it was like rooting for the underdog. And, man, he all of a sudden the time is, is, is ticking down, and he's hitting home run after home run. He gets to 15. There's only five seconds left. He hits a home, he hits one deep, and it bounces off the wall. Just one home run short of time for who ended up going to the finals and facing Bryce Harper, who won it. I thought that was interesting. The ultimate takeaway for me, though, was it was the Bryce Harper show. Yeah. You know, that's what I talked about beforehand. Wasn't this the best scenario, though? I mean, Absolutely. his home ballpark, the crowd hanging on every pitch, Look, it was, his dad pitching yes, to him. It was such a great story because, like you said, it was it was the Nationals ballpark. He got the ovation, you know, when they announced all the, all the 
people participating. He gets the biggest ovation. Of course, everyone's sticking around until the end to see him win it. And the the, the final round was drama because <clears throat> Schwarber hit 18 home runs, and he Bryce Harper had a slow start in that final round. He had hit nine of his last ten out of the park. He trailed 18 and nine with 120 left. 120, yeah, fantastic I knew it was, finish. Yeah, it was amazing. I really didn't think he was going to get there. And then of course he hit a couple beyond 440 feet, so he got that that uh, extra 30 seconds, which is all he just needed. One more home run by that point, but. Man, it was so exciting. Uh, I thought it was awesome that his dad was pitching, and when he won it, he, he gave the trophy to his dad and said, here, hold this, you know, lift that up. I thought that was really awesome because beforehand I was watching the pre-show and he talked about everything his dad did for him. His dad apparently worked from like 2 a.m. Uh, he, he worked night shifts and would, would get up and take him and his brothers to the ballpark at, you know, in the afternoon, and he was just talking about doing all of that and sacrificing for him. He, he wanted to share this moment with his dad, and I just thought that was awesome. How nervous do you think his dad was? Really nervous because if you <laughs> if you watch the, the final round, his dad started getting tired. And so a lot of those pitches were out of the zone. And <laughs> you could tell the crowd was getting a little antsy. It was like, come on, he's only got so much time. And then, of course, he and Bryce Harper getting that group. Uh, Bryce's quote, he worked his tail off every single day to provide for me and my family. Now being able to throw – for him to be able to throw to me in a big league ballpark is the cherry on top. It was uh, awesome. I thought it was a big win for MLB last night. It was very entertaining. So you're all in next year. It is more popular now than, of course, the slam dunk competition. It, it just depends. It, this was what I was starting to say a minute ago. If you know Harper is why this this became a big deal because mm-hmm. you need that star power. Without Harper, you've got a lot of young guys. Freddie Freeman's the oldest guy participating, and he's 28. So you've got a lot of young who will eventually be stars, but they're still young in the tooth. I mean, they're not you know household names at this point. Bryce Harper is. So to have him, you know, in in that position, that's that's worth tuning in for. I thought he brought that star power to it that's what the slam dunk contest needs it needs one star to 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 get in there so everybody can tune and say hey i want to see it'll never be lebron but you know another star like that Hmm. uh here's your houston astros update because you we are your houston astros headquarters of course they're on all-star break they go in with a 64 and 35 record they are five games up on seattle in fact they have the second best record in the american league your update for the houston astros no World Cup update coming today. I apologize. Oh, yeah. We may get it's into a little day. ratings, though, in a little while. Oh, yeah. You talked a big game yesterday. Are you taking taking it back? I don't think I said it was they had better ratings than the NBA Finals. I was talking about what? the semifinals and perhaps. No, we're talking finals division. versus finals, baby. You want to talk that talk? We're NBA finals, finals, did they uh, tip off at 10 a.m. in the morning? No, they did not, but, I mean. Whose fault is that? We got more headlines coming up. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pencil. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Plenty of sound from Coach Orgeron and Richard Lawrence coming up later in the show. Gus Cattengill will join us for his weekly visit at 8 o'clock. How about some baseball? We never talked baseball. We just did. All right. <laughs> we rarely talk baseball. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just spent five minutes talking about the home run derby. 
Jason Pugh knows it better than anyone. He will join us at 8.30. The state of the game and, of course, the top storylines from the first half of the year. There was a magnificent event that was held over at Louisiana Tech yesterday. We'll get into it. It involves Louisiana Med Camps. Also, some uh, honors for a number of our college players from this area. We'll break it down. Some preseason praise for them. Also, some local Twitter beef, maybe. Oh. Need to get into some, some a nice little Twitter spat yesterday. Can't tell if it was real or fake. Either way, I was very entertained by it. Uh, also, failed to mention Devin White and Joe Burrow. They have a hundred dollars bet. Come, come fall. Is that camp. legal? Yeah, probably not. But. Devin White believes he'll pick off Joe Burrow. Burrow says, I won't throw any interceptions. So they got $100 on it. He's going to throw a couple interceptions <laughs> in, the in the fall. He just can't throw it to Devin White. Yeah. Uh, also, a saint to the rescue. The story of a New Orleans defensive lineman that had did something very heroic yesterday. How's that for a tease? That's, we got quite a few teases here. We're off and running on the morning drive. Join the conversation at 888-993-7762. We're back after this. So, Jake, I was driving in this morning, and I was listening to your man, uh, Clay Travis, and I was trying to figure out what would have ticked you off more if you were listening to it. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. So this literally came in the span of 60 seconds this morning. Mm-hmm. Breaking down LSU, uh, the, the the best of times of LSU are behind them. They are not the program they used to be. They've lost a lot of luster. You know, Saban and, of course, the Mad Hatter coming in. Then he kind of goes through the schedule, and he says he literally can see them winning four or five games this year and perhaps just six. He goes through, and, of course, the two wins he looks at, uh, Louisiana Tech and, and then Southeastern. Southeastern is the two guaranteed wins. So he does that little spiel. Then he follows it up, of course, with the news yesterday that was announced that uh, he has signed a three-year contract extension, so he will be able to grace the airways for another three years. Mm-hmm. So then I was trying to figure out what would have got you more worked up, and I, I, I guess it would be the LSU comments. No, because I don't care what he says. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, look, you know, I don't value his opinion. Oh. <laughs> so it's clearly it's the, the three-year deal. That's what it would be. Because then he's got to tell you how great he is at yeah. riding. And, and he's talking. roughing it. He's having to get up early in the morning, but he's he's ready to do it, and he's going to grace the airways for another three years. Okay. So he's not a big fan of LSU. Can we he, leave him out of our show? I mean, yeah, he, would... he is not a, he is not on board with a Ed Orgeron Who this is? morning. Who is this year? Uh, we are on board with some preseason honors, and you look at this, Jake, and a, a number of them came out uh, yesterday. Let's start with uh, ULM and, of course, uh, Caleb Evans, big things expected out of the Warhawks quarterback this year, considering what he did last year in his sophomore campaign. Uh, he is on the Maxwell Award watch list. Yeah, well-deserved. Um, I think that's awesome, the fact that, you know, they're, you know, giving him some recognition for what he did last season and, and projecting him to be one of the most prolific passers in college football this mm-hmm. year. I mean, can you imagine the numbers that, that he'll be able to put up this year? And, of course, the dual-threat quarterback and what he can yeah, do. he'll get it uh, with his legs and his arms, yeah. Also, Louisiana Tech, we certainly look forward to the Conference USA Media Day kicking off on Wednesday. You look at this, and a, a number of players being recognized by the Conference USA Football Coaches Preseason Awards. O'Shea Dugas, Jalen Ferguson, Amik Robertson, Teddy Veal all made the list. 
being recognized by the league's 14 head coaches. Yeah, very well deserved. Uh, Ferguson also, uh, the Benaric watch list named to the best defensive lineman in the country. He is on that list. You look at Jalen and what he's accomplished over his career with the 27 and a half sacks. Of course, last year, a little bit of a fall, a little bit of a, a dip in production. Dip in production compared to what he did as a sophomore, but big things are con- expected. Expected listen, out of Ferguson. Listen, I can't wait for him to get an opportunity to shut people up or to make people remember him because there has not been a lot of talk about Jalen Ferguson this preseason. It's because that production dipped, like we said. I can't wait for him to have a big year and people go, "Oh yeah, I remember that guy." Mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen this year. Uh, ranks fifth among active career leaders in the FBS with those 27 and a half sacks. I was over at Louisiana Tech, and we'll get into this in a second. Uh, they had a magnificent bet, uh, event going on, but Jalen Ferguson, you look at that cat, and yeah, he is a beast. Yeah, yeah. Y- you can just tell Yeah, he, he is a special yeah. player. Like you just, He's one of those guys that, that always jump out at you. That used to always get me whenever I would, I would go to practices, and you could tell. All right, this guy's an NFL player for sure. This guy's an NFL. Like, those guys just jump out at you, and and Ferguson's just one of those guys. All right, I mentioned the event, and how cool is this? This is the first time they had it over at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech football team teamed up with the med camps of Louisiana. They had 42 kids in their camps. They bring them over on a bus, and then they have a nice surprise for them. They walk through the locker room at Louisiana Tech, Mm -hmm. and each kid – had a uh, jersey with their name on the back hanging in a locker. Awesome. And then to see those kids and just how the smiles on their faces, how fired up they were. Then they get an opportunity to mingle with the players. Then they take them out onto the field. They run them through some drills. You know, they, they go through a couple touchdown dances. That's what it's about. That, that, that was neat. You just said it. That's exactly what it's about. So uh, if you hadn't had a chance to see it last night on KNOE, we have this story up at uh, KNOE.com. Well done by Louisiana Tech and, of course, everybody that made this possible, including First National Bank. First time they've hosted this event. Got a feeling that this is going to happen from here on out. Yeah, yeah. A, a major success. I can't see why it wouldn't return. Uh, I had to duck out a little early, but uh, Skip Holtz did show up. And, of course, he had an opportunity to talk to the campers. And Corey Diaz from the News Star uh, tweeted it out, Skip Holtz addressing the med campers over there at the joke. Who's this real mean guy that makes them practice long time? You know what? It wasn't a long practice, but you guys are having fun. How are things at med camps? Great people there, aren't they? Those are great people there. We just want to say we appreciate you all coming over here and spending the day with us. We appreciate you coming over, spending the day. Enjoy your time at med camps. These are great times. Enjoy it for the summer. This is pretty awesome. Today. And how about the guys that worked with you? Some of the players Today. that worked with you? Yeah. 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 I know a couple of the counselors were trying to take some of them back to be students with you all over there, okay? So uh, make sure you leave them all here. We need them, okay? So make sure you lead them. You're going to call this up? Call this up. Let's We're going to call this up. Everybody hey, get a hand. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Everybody's got to get their hand. Let's get loud. Let's get loud. We're going to do it. Dogs on three. Dogs only. One, two, three, go! Let's go! Awesome. Yeah. You so can good. have your stinking SEC media days <laughs> and a thousand media people over there. I'll go to the Joe. I'll cover things like that. Okay. If you're comparing those two, that's different. But typically, we don't get stuff like that. Yeah.
But kudos to Louisiana Tech. That was very cool. Yes. Um. So can can I talk about this Twitter beef real quick? Sure. I, this this got me excited. We don't get this very often in the high school ranks. No, right? we don't. So, all right. Uh, Bastrop head coach, Adrian Burnett. He releases a Bayou Jam whiteout shirt. On it, it says, we run 165. <laughs> there are a lot of schools on 165, in case you didn't know. But if you live in this area, you know that. So, uh, this is on Twitter. And Could Richwood probably say no? Because Bastard took it to Richwood last year. I was just talking about the success of last year. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, <laughs> Wasman head coach Dean Smith sees this. Yeah. And, of course, you know. Dean doesn't back down. De- that that offended Dean Smith. You know, <laughs> when he sees that, he's thinking, "Okay, you could have said Morehouse Parish, but you said 165." So he retweets it and he says, "Am I reading this shirt correct? Who is we?" <laughs> he says, "How about you run to Wasman Week One of the 2019 season? We will even feed you a post-game meal. Just run here Saturday, August 18th for the fall scrimmage at Grady James Stadium." So then. Uh, Adrian Burnett retweets it and says, 165 North or South. You read it right. Done deal. Wasman week one, 2019. Paper signed. Carol week four, question mark. <laughs> Look, I don't know if they're hyping this stuff up on Twitter or not, if the, if this is real or fake, but I love this. I think this is, this is really fun. It's going to get people excited. And quite frankly, if Bastrop were to make the trip over for that scrimmage, Man, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? What would have made this beef even better if Burnett then fires back? Will you even be on the sidelines by week four? Will you still be suspended, <laughs> Dean Smith? <laughs> Yikes. But, you know, uh, another cool part of it was uh, Dean actually sent a, a, an application form for, you know, a, a, a future date. And he sent, said, sign it here. Let's, let's get it done. And <laughs> man, that's good stuff. That's the art of promotion. Yes. I, think, I, I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to Wasman Carroll this year. Well, I always look forward to Wasman Carroll, but yeah, yeah, especially this year after <laughs> certain things transpired. Those are a few more uh, headlines. Hey, how about this? Uh, Rudy Marski from uh, USA Today is reporting that we are live. Brent Musburger is mm-hmm. getting back into the booth. Reportedly, will be the voice of the Raiders. The voice of the Raiders. Yes, huh. he will do some radio work for him. Mm. Well, let's just hope he's as good as Zach Streif is. That's not official yet, but, of course, Streif will be the voice of the Saints. Uh, Boomer Sison, after uh, 18 years with uh, Westwood 1, he is uh, stepping down uh, the schedule just to kind of worn him down, literally. He will call one more game, that being the season opener in Philadelphia. That doesn't move the dial. You're not no, tuning I, into the radio I to listen to Boomer I, I on Westwood pretend, One. I couldn't pretend to be interested in what you were saying. You're more fired up about maybe Brent Musburger being back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I and like then Brent. the subtle lines about the line. Yeah, yeah. he he likes to gamble. We and know now that. he's that's his business. Yeah, right. He's in the game. Well, it doesn't surprise us. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. Coming up after the break, we'll dive into the SEC media days and the comments by Richard Lawrence and. Welcome back to the show. All you got to do is to get Jake fired up is to have uh, Ed Orgeron step up to the podium. He's in a much better mood today than he has been for the last two months. I just needed some football. Yeah. Some form. Talking of football? Yeah. We'll fit the bill Well, I'll that. tell you this. Throughout the day, I had the SC Network on, and even if it wasn't coaches talking or players talking, I enjoyed just hearing people talk about football. 
Like that, I could, I could, I was sitting there thinking, like, I could listen to this all day, and I literally did that mm. up until the Homer Derby. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Rashard Lawrence, of course, the former Aaron's ace, the Neville standout. Big things are expected out of him. Of course, his senior year at the Tigers, 91 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks. He helped lead uh, Neville to back-to-back state championships in 2014 and 2015. Just a dominant force. Anybody that went to a Neville game could tell that he was the real deal. Uh, of course, uh, a heated recruiting battle. Ed Orgeron was all over him. Fell in love with this kid. And if you ever want to get Ed Coach O in a good mood, just mention Rashard Lawrence. And, boy, a uh, smile comes to his face ear to ear. Only problem with Rashard, of course, last year, uh, he played for a majority of the year hurt. Yeah, got hurt against BYU and, and never really recovered. When it's your ankle and you're that big, and we, we know, I mean, most of us have, have suffered an ankle injury one form or the other. Those things linger, man. It's hard to get healthy after suffering an ankle injury, especially during the season, and even more so when you're 300 pounds. So, yeah, it was tough. You, you didn't, you got just a little portion of what Rashard Lawrence could do last year. I'm ready to see him healthy. Uh, he finished last year with uh, 21 assisted tackles, 11 solos, 32 totals. One and a half sacks for the year. Big things are expected out of McCourse, and he made his way over to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Here's a little bit of Rashard Lawrence talking with the media about this LSU defense and a little bit about his career at Neville. You talked about it at Neville, the leadership, learning from those guys. Who who you like? Was it DRs? Was it? Who were some of those guys that kind of taught you how to be a leader up there? Man, I could go on and on. Uh, For me, it would start off with John Diaz. Um, He's a guy that, from when I was a freshman dressing out, didn't even see the field. Just his voice, how he carried himself. Uh, Mark Morrow was one of the best defensive linemen I ever played with in high school. Matt Morrow. uh, I can go on and on. But I'd have to start with John Diaz because he was just the guy that when I went out to practice, he was the most vocal, and he backed it up, though. When did, when did Coach Mickey kind of look at you as if, all right, now it's your turn to start I would say this. probably midway through my sophomore year, I wasn't starting. Uh, I had to work my way up the depth chart like everybody else. So uh, I made a couple of big plays in one of the games, and all of a sudden I was called in his office and was like, hey, you got to step up, and you're a leader on this team now. From about that game on, I mean, I was the guy, and I was you appreciative. I think it was a playoff game, actually. Uh, it was one of the playoff games. and First or second round? Yeah, I think it was, I want to say second round. And I had a couple of TFLs, and, I mean, from there it just kind of clicked for me, and it was amazing. Well, how last season went for you? How excited are you to be going into this season hoping that you stay healthy? I'm very excited. Uh, the training staff has did an unbelievable job of getting me to where I am now, um, 100% feeling good and running good, you know, mobility. They did a great job. The strength staff has, you know, wore gloves with me and took their time. And to finally be back where I know where I can be, it's a blessing. I'm thankful. Bashar, what is it like to see some of these polls come out? You're LSU. You're not in the top 25. And that's got to get a little bit on your skin. Yeah, we respect that. I mean, it's something that we can't control as a team. Uh, we see it, but we don't talk about it. You know, uh, it's something that we have to take a day at a time. You can't. Once you start looking at things like that, those things will come true. So you have to control what you can control as a team. And if we do that, we'll be fine. 
couple things. First of all, for the Morrow brothers, how cool is that? If, if they hear that clip, of course, they were just very good high school football players, and to have Rashard, of course, call him, call them out and recognize them for their leadership abilities, that's pretty neat. It's, it's very awesome. We all expect, you know, John D. Arthur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you expect that name, but like you said, and a couple things here. Coach Lawrence, first of all, sounds like a coach. Secondly, a lot of those – Some would say he looks like a coach, too. <laughs> grown man. Yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of those players kept talking about how they respect the media, which was, I thought, odd. Just just over and over, it, I'm not used to hearing that, first of all. You think it's the catchphrase that Michael Bonnet would kind of I been I think feeding? so, yeah. And just talking about – because I guess they were getting them prepared for the, hey, y'all aren't in the top 25 – you know, preseason poll, what do you think about that? So, oh, Instead we, of just saying that sucks. We know, respect yeah. the media. We're getting screwed. <laughs> you got to come back the other way. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting. What you said was cool, though, uh, about the Mora brothers yeah. kind of getting their props. And it just goes to show you that if you are in high school, if you, if you, you know, if that's going to be your ceiling, if you're not going to go play college ball, you can still be an influence on the younger players on that team that might have that opportunity. Yeah. And – you can leave an indelible mark. I mean, obviously, Richard Lawrence remembers what they did. And obviously, throughout the last uh, five years, I mean, Neville's had their share of the, the three, four-star, and, and a Richard Lawrence, a five-star prospect. But the reason, majority of the reason for their success is those players like the Morrill brothers yep. that just develop into very good high school players. That's right. And a lot of that credit, of course, has to go to Mickey and that coaching staff. But you look at Richard coming out of high school – he was uh, the 21st-ranked player, according to Scout, the number two-ranked player in Louisiana, according to 247 Sports, a four-star prospect by ESPN, but ranked by ESPN as the number 12 player in the country of their top 300. Also ranked by uh, as the number one player in Louisiana per ESPN coming out of high school. Ed Orgeron counting on Richard Lawrence to have a big year. Coach O also stepped up to the podium and uh, made several comments, the things that stood out the most to you, Jake. Well, everyone will talk about his admittance that the Matt Canada hiring was, was a failure and that he shouldn't have done it. It's not, it's not new to me. A lot of the stuff was things that he already said. But I, I did. But he hadn't said it on a stage like he that. He hadn't said it on a stage like that. He didn't openly admit that, yes, I shouldn't have hired Matt Canada. That was a mistake. But I think this, of all the clips, I think this is the best clip. And it wasn't even on the podium. It was actually, uh, I think it was, they, they had a couple of different stations. This was one station with a couple of local media, just kind of like what you heard there. A lot of those guys were local media. But uh, here is a clip of Ed Orgeron kind of talking about the same things, but giving you a little bit more. When you think back to, to much earlier in your career, how would you describe the challenge of being just a first-time head coach? Yeah, everything's new. Everything is new. Every day is new. Now I can rely on experiences. I can rely, make decisions on, you know, this worked. I, I, I faced this before. I want to do it this way. I don't want to do it that way. As you get older and more mature, you tend to lean on your mentors a little bit more. You know who the right mentors ought to lean on. I have some mentors that I believe in. So I think that's a combination of all those things. That you do differently, get it to do over again the very first year? Oh, there's a bunch. <laughs> there's a bunch, you know. And choosing a staff. I think I take my time in choosing a staff and make sure that uh, 
they're the right guys. They're the right guys that fit and they're able to do the things that we want to do on the same page. Will you delegate the offense to Steve or how much input will you have in the plan every week? First of all, I totally trust Steve. I totally trust Jerry Sullivan. I've worked with uh, Tommy Robinson and James before and I totally trust Mickey. So these guys, I have no problem walking in there and saying, hey man, what are we doing here? This needs to be fixed. And I'm sure they have no problem saying, yes sir, you're right. So I think that we're on the same page as that. But as far as me being in there on a daily basis, I'm not going to do that. I choose to spend most of my time on defense and on special teams. But if I do see something that I think is wrong, I have complete authority to go in there and say, hey, what are we doing? We need to fix this. And they're going to say, yes, sir, you're right. That's how we work. All right. Uh, what? I, I just, That's I, good. I, I, no, literally, you could rewind one year from today, and that is the same exact quote that he gave last year about the offense and about, I'm no. a defensive line coach. I'll stay on the other side. No, no, no. This you is Matt it. Canada's offense. You missed it. Well, I understand what you talked about, the connection that he has right now with the guys on the staff. And no, obviously there was not it. that connection with Matt You Kidd. missed the fact that now he can go in there and s- tell them what he wants, and there's no pushback. That's what he was saying. Last year don't he did that. Don't you want pushback, a little feedback? You don't want everybody to just be a yes, sir? I get it, but at the end of the day, he is the head coach. Yeah. You know, even if even if he lacks the respect that normal head coaches have, he's still the head coach. He still has the final say. And so if you've got th- – that said, I say that, but I also admit that he needs to – whoever he hires, he needs to let them run their offense. Clearly, he didn't do that with Canada, and Canada <laughs> made it known that, you know, you're not letting me do that, and so he had some pushback. And so that relationship soured, and it was – it got to the point to where Aliva had to come in and try to make it work. And so I think Aliva then put the clamps on Ordron saying, you can't go in there, you can't confront him and tell him that, that he needs to throw to the tight end more or whatever you want to do. So now he's saying, they're going to run the offense, but if I see something that I, I want done, I can go in there and tell them, and they'll do it. That's all I'm saying. I, I just thought that was the biggest quote. From the conference. All right, two different things. First of all, I think I'm just getting Ed Orgeron fatigue or a lot the lining question sure where is. it's how much he's a better coach than when he was at Ole Miss. How many times do we have to hear that? And when's he going to start to prove that he's a, a better coach than he was at Ole Miss? He's already proved that. He's won at USC and at LSU. He's already proven that. He's won at LSU. Yes. Has he not won at LSU? Not the way LSU is typically won. But I think anybody could walk in and win at LSU with the talent alone oh, from the get-go. That's so disrespectful. Right. Here's the thing. When Les you Miles, say win, win seven, eight wins is not winning. Ten, eleven wins is winning He was at that level. He was. He should have had ten wins last year. Should kicker missed two yeah. kicks mm-hmm. inside the red zone mm-hmm. against Notre Dame. That was that was. And then they so blew. he goes out and gets the best kicker he believes in America yes. that was available. Yes, he did. And, he, and he, he used a scholarship on him. And guess what? LSU fans typically would have been like, what are you doing? After that game, they're like, go ahead. Give him two if, you need, if he needs it. You know, waste two on him. So at, at the end of the day, I think when you look at Ed Orgeron, this is the year 
you judge him on. And I'm not talking about wins or losses. I'm talking about what does the team look like against this schedule? Are, is he right in the ship offensively? Does the offense look better? If the offense goes out there and looks like an absolute disaster after everything that's happened with Matt Canada, yeah, it's going to be, t- it's gonna be tough to, to sway public opinion. Uh, you and Trent, of course, drinking the Ed Orgeron Kool-Aid. Trent does come back and says good players are nothing without a good coach. It's, it's – so I understand what you're saying, Aaron. You're saying they have some of the best athletes yeah. in the country. They should always be contending for the SEC crown. I understand that to a degree. That said, you can't just put any coach in that situation and say they'll win. The other thing that I think is a bigger story, and it actually can move this story further along, is the fact, of course, the shift with the offense and the direction that they want to go. And, of course, you look at the talent. We've talked about it numerous times, how deep and talented they are at wide receiver. He talks about the fact they're going to use more four or five wide receiver sets, and they're going to kind of shift their focus from more of a, a ground attack to throwing it around the ballpark a little bit, which is, in theory, fantastic with all those receivers. But the major question remains, and the question mark we've had for the last decade, literally besides uh, Mettenberger, who will be the guy that can direct that offense, and do they have the talent to do it? Last question, yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow seems to be the guy, but we'll see. He's an improvement. Joe Burrow, the guy hasn't even gone through an official practice yet. Well, but I'm saying he's been through – he's went – through camps with Urban Meyer, he's gotten and Jake garbage sends time. me literally video clips of garbage time when he was at Ohio State. That's all we got. <laughs> That's all we got. <laughs> you get excited. I do because there's potential there. You can tell. Hey, you tell Tabor's tired of the Orgeron dialogue too. <laughs> Cue that music. Let's go to break. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of tired of it too. I'm just ready for the season to happen <laughs> so we can actually have new stuff to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, we get to talk about Miami the first week. They're going to beat Miami. 888-993-7762. The Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Someone texts in. Big O is gone. Uh, it, it could happen, but, you know, I, let's let's wait and see what they do against Miami. Then we'll get into it. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Keep the text coming at 888-993-7762. One final thing about that Orgeron thing. Even though if he does struggle this year and perhaps they do win six to seven wins, I mean, he's always going to come back and he's going to have this conversation with Oliva. But, yeah, look at this recruiting class that I'm bringing in here. Doesn't that entitle me to at least another year or two? Because you got to bank on the future, what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. who I'm bringing in. Do you want to blow this thing up? And then, of course, have to bring in another guy and he's going to have to start from ground zero. It it really all depends. It, It all depends on what happens this year. That, that's what's going to dictate whether or not he stays. And I'm not talking about, like, he. I think he could go 7-5 and five and stay. Yeah. It just depends on how it looks. Yeah. What kind of 7-5 and five are we talking about? Are we talking about a 7-5 and five where you're a player two away from 9-3? and three? Or are we talking about a 7-5 and five where you're lucky to be 7-5? and five? Mm. So, that, that, it, it all depends on what it looks like. Uh, we continue to break down the conferences, and, of course, uh, we look forward to Conference USA Media Day tomorrow. And then, of course, next week, the Sunbelt Conference Media Day down in New Orleans on Monday. There was some news, of course, with ULM, Caleb Evans, on the Maxwell Award watch list. And then uh, the times were announced for uh, ULM home games yesterday that uh, season opener versus Southeastern on Thursday, August 30th. It will kick off at 7 o'clock. 
Then they'll open up a Sunbelt Conference play at home versus Troy. They'll kick that one off at 6. Uh, also, the homecoming game versus uh, Texas State at 6. Georgia Southern, when they go into November, of course, this is how they typically shift it. They go to afternoon games. That'll be the case versus Georgia Southern. And then they're going to c- conclude the regular season versus the Dirty Cajuns in Malone Stadium on November 24th. That will also be a 2 p.m. kick. Can I say about the Southeastern game, I love this a Thursday night game because I, I every year when the college football season opens on that Thursday, you typically have one or two really compelling matchups. Like back in the day, South Carolina, for some reason, would always be in that spot with Steve Spurrier, and we were always anxious to see how they looked. You don't really have that nationally. And then now the fact that ULM will be in that spot. And if you can't make it to the game, they're on. They're going to be on ESPN uh, watch ESPN so you can at least tune in if you have something else or if you have work or, or anything else. So I think that's awesome, the fact that we have a ULM game to look forward to to open the season on that Thursday before that huge weekend of marquee matchups. And the other thing, of course, November 3rd, it's always an issue for ULM squaring off against the likes of the LSU and Alabama, the fact that there'll be a 2 o'clock game and you would always mm-hmm. anticipate the Tide and the Tigers to be at 7 o'clock. Yes, indeed. All right, so we'll go through ULM schedule real quick. Southeastern, that's a win, right? I mean, Southeastern's a six and five school. I think it sets up nicely for uh, a one and zero start for ULM. Any any objections from you, Aaron? Uh, no. Uh, eight and two in home openers. That's a good stat. Uh, so then next week, this is the big one. This is one we talked about quite a bit. You got Southern Miss. Um, this is a game where. If you, if you want to break the schedule down in, into three different parts, the first part being the first four games of the year, I think that is such an important piece because ULM could legitimately be either two and two or one and three. And that one and three is going to be tough to rebound from. I look at the Southern Miss game as a swing game, a game that ULM could legitimately win. If they lose it, and then you're looking at Texas A&M and, and Troy, which Troy is, is you know, a, a team that everyone's always chasing in that conference, it's going to be tough. So I think Southern Miss is, is a great opportunity for ULM. And you look at Southern Miss, this is not the Southern Miss team that has been loaded exactly. in the past. Exactly. Uh, this is going to be fantastic on that Saturday down there in Hattiesburg. The other thing to keep an eye on, you look at Southern Miss, and, of course, one of their most famous graduates, Brett Favre, you look at ULM, and, of course, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson plays on Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah. So is there a possibility cool. that Doug Peterson makes his way down to Hattiesburg? And, of course, we could have something happen before the game, perhaps a coin flip or so, featuring Brett Favre and Doug Peterson. Would be so cool. Uh, how many cameras do you think, and uh, what would that do for Sports Center? For Sports Center? Yeah. Don't you think that would be a little bit of a segment there? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh they at least showed the, the coin flip, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. There would be at least one highlight. <laughs> uh, how many guys are leaving after that coin flip? Yeah. That's the question. No, but I think that's – you're right. Southern Miss isn't the same, you know, juggernaut that it has been in Conference USA. And they just lost Keon Howard. So they got a, a quarterback situation. You know, Griggs is coming off an injury. Jack Abraham, you know, there's a Louisiana Tech tie there. Abraham, of course, left, left Tech and went to Southern Miss. So – Who's going to be the starter? What are they going to look like? 
So a lot of intrigue there. Listen, from a guy that's covered the Warhawks for literally 18 years, there always seems to be some buzz. There's more buzz this year than there have been in years past, probably dating back to 2013. The problem that ULM has had is the fact that they get out of the starting gates typically, traditionally, very slow. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with, of course, the money games. They take a beating, and it just seems to kind of be a, a punch to the gut for Warhawk fans. They never are able to really jump fully on board. You look at the way the schedule sets up this year, Southeastern, you would certainly think a win at home. You go on the road, you knock off Southern Miss, you start 2-0, and people are starting to talk. You're playing with house money the next two weeks, I believe. And then, of course, well, you're certainly playing with house money when you go down to Texas sure. A&M, and everybody's going to say they're going to be a huge underdog, and rightfully so. But the fact is, then you start, you're still 2-1, and one, you're coming home, and you're playing literally one of the best teams in the Sunbelt Conference with Troy at home. There will still be a major buzz. You're thinking about it as far as people coming out to watch them play. Yeah. Things that you can sell to this community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, So that's why I think that Southern Miss game is so important. Um, But, yeah, the A&M game, the the goal there is to get out unscathed because, you know, Travion Williams and those guys are kind of looking at ULM's defense last year and going, yeah, I'm licking my chops to to get out there and score points. But you get out there unscathed, you you face Troy who – is is the benchmark right that said they have to replace brandon silvers mm-hmm. who threw for more than ten thousand yards in his career at troy so you don't just replace a guy like that without a few hiccups in the early going and this is the fourth game of the year so maybe they haven't figured things out offensively with their new quarterback by that time this could work out well in ulm's favor and you look at troy under uh, coach brown 14 and 3 in his last 17 sunbelt conference games yeah, so you're looking at two and two, one and three. What you think? Uh, if you're optimistic, you're looking at three and one. Three but and realistically, one. you could probably say two and I two. I would say. But the thing is, is though, if, if you could, this isn't the way it works. But you certainly want to start conference play one and zero oh with a victory over Troy. I'm if I'm projecting win totals, you you have certain games that could go either way, and I think Troy and Southern Miss are those games. So I think they split those. Mm. So I'm looking at it as a two and two start, which is a really good start because you're going to start getting into some of these games. Well, I guess that comes later where you where you build that win streak. But you got Georgia State next, yeah. and their weakness last year was giving up the big play. Uh, hello, ULM can score with the best of them in the country. So I think that's 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 a positive sign if you're a ULM fan. You're you're assuming that – well, a lot of people, just looking at preseason magazines, a lot of people are assuming that Georgia State takes a step backwards next year. So maybe ULM can, can uh, have some of that big offensive success again. The problem is after that home game against Troy on September 22nd, you're literally then on the road for three consecutive weeks. You mentioned that at Georgia State, you follow that up going over to Oxford to take on the Rebels, then to squaring off against uh, Coastal Carolina the following week. You may remember uh, last year against Coastal Carolina, it was a shootout like mm-hmm. a majority of ULM's games yeah. were. Uh, it was literally uh, 45-43. Coastal Carolina had the ball there late with an opportunity. Of course, the Warhawks, I believe, uh, had a uh, scoop and score to kind of make that an eight-point game. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so, so those then you start getting into – games that I think that ULM can can surely win and and start building some momentum games like Texas Texas State um, you know they're going to be a young team this year and ULM had success against them last year then you got Georgia Southern I think you can make that three in a row and then you face a team like South Alabama who 
I, I don't know what to think of South Alabama this year because they are getting some hype because last year they were they were sort of an anomaly. Like you, you look at what they did well. They had big wins against teams like Troy and Arkansas State, but they also had some some bad losses too. So you never really knew what you were getting with South Alabama. If they're more consistent this year, that's going to be a really tough game for ULM. But you know who knows? They might be inconsistent again this year, and that this could be a game that ULM again you know builds on that win streak. So at this point, you know ULM could have five to six wins. And then you got Arkansas State and ULL to close the, the season out. So, you know, for people to – I think people are, are just in thinking that, yeah, that this team can go bowling this year because I do like the way the schedule pans out. I do like what ULM returns. And, by the way, ULL being the last game of the year, I love that it's the last game of the year again. It just didn't feel right being mm-hmm. the fourth or fifth game, whatever it was last year. Um, you should have your rivalry game played in, at the very last game of the season. So and I'm the fact that Warhawks got off over the hump last year and uh, mm-hmm. took it to the Cajuns, I believe over the course of the last uh, 13 years, ULM is just 4-9 and nine against the Cajuns, but of course the big win last year. Yeah, so there's a lot to be optimistic about when you're talking about ULM football and you're looking at the upcoming schedule. You do go back to last year and how this team or this offense really took off in conference play. Uh, they led the key, uh, the league in points per game in league play, 42 points per game with Caleb Evans directing this offense. 42.1 mm-hmm. points per game. How many did they give up, though? That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 42.1 in league play. Good. Good, good news. <laughs> we, they scored 42 points per game. The bad 42.1. News? That's important. 42.1. The bad news? Uh, in conference play, they gave up 42.9. That's not going to cut it. Uh, we expect they had a lot of injuries. Yeah. Give them a bit of a break. Um, we'll see what they can do this year. 888-993-7762. Plenty coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, including our weekly conversation with Gus Cattengale. And then at 8 o'clock, we'll talk some Major League Baseball. How about that? How about that? Jason Pugh will join us. We'll have someone else drop knowledge on us. Thankfully. Thankfully. Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.